Chapter Four of the Chautauqua Girls at Home. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Chautauqua Girls at Home by Pansy. Chapter Four. Colonel Baker's Sabbath Evening. Among Marion Wilbur's gloomy thoughts during that trying Monday were these: Some lives are a good deal harder to bear than others. It would be nonsense for some people to talk about crosses. There are Ruth and Flossy. What do they know about annoyances and self-denials? Such homes as theirs and such occupations as theirs have very little in common with hard, uncongenial work such as mine. Eurie Mitchell has less easy times, but then it is home and father and mother and family friends. She isn't all alone. None of them can sympathize with me. I don't see how Flossy Shipley is ever to grow if crosses are a fruitful condition of the Christian life. I'm sure she can do as she pleases, and when she pleases. Thus much Marion knew about other lives than hers. The actual truth was that Flossie's shadows began on Sabbath evening, while Marion was yet on the heights. It was just as they stepped from the aisle of the church into the wide hall that Colonel Baker joined her. This was not a new experience. He was very apt to join her. No other gentleman had been a more frequent or more enjoyable guest at her father's house. Indeed, he was so familiar that he was as likely to come on the Sabbath as on any other day, and was often in the habit of calling to accompany Flossy to any evening service where there was to be a little grander style of music than usual or a special floral display. In fact, he had called this very evening on such an errand, but it was after Flossy had gone to her own church so her first meeting with him since Chautauqua experiences was in that hall belonging to the first church. "'Good evening,' he said, joining her without the formality of a question as to whether it would be agreeable. His friendship was on too assured a footing for the need of that formality. "'You are more than usually devoted to the first church, are you not? I saw you in the family pew this morning. I felt certain of being in time to take you to the south side to-night.' St. Stephen's Church has a grand choral service this evening. I was in at one of the rehearsals, and it promised to be an unusually fine thing. I am disappointed that you did not hear it. Here began Flossie's unhappiness. Neither Marion nor Ruth could have appreciated it. To either of those it would have been an actual satisfaction to have said to Colonel Baker, in a calm and superior tone of voice, "'Thanks for your kindness,' but I have decided to attend my own church service regularly after this, and would therefore not have been able to accompany you if I had been at home. But for Flossie such an explanation was simply dreadful. It was so natural, and would have been so easy, to have murmured a word of regret at her absence, and expressed disappointment in having missed the quarrel. But for that address to the children, given under the trees at Chautauqua by Dr. Hurlbut, she would have said these smooth, sweet-sounding words as sweetly as usual, without the thought of conscience. But had not he shown her, as plainly as though he had looked down into her heart and seen it there, that these pleasant, courteous phrases, which are so winning and so false, were among her besetting sins? Had he not put her forever on her guard concerning them? Had she not promised to wage solemn war against the tendency to sow sin with her graceful tongue? yet how she dreaded the plain speaking. How would Marion's lips have curled over the idea of such a small matter as that being a cross? 
and yet flossy could have been sweet and patient and tender to the listless homesick schoolgirls and kissed away half their gloom and thought it no cross at all verily there is a difference in these crosses and verily every heart knoweth its own bitterness colonel baker was loath to leave the subject aren't you being unusually devout today he asked i heard of you at sabbath school i was certain after that effort i should find you at home resting what spell came over you to give the first church so much of your time one would think to hear you that i never went to church on sabbath evening flossy said and then to a certain degree conscience triumphed i have not been very often it is true but i intend to reform in that respect in the future i mean to go whenever i can and i mean to go always to the first church colonel baker looked at her curiously in the moonlight is that an outgrowth of your experience in the woods he asked yes flossy said simply and bravely he longed to question further to quiz her a little but something in the tone of the monosyllable prevented so he said i am at least surprised at part of the decision i thought part of the work of those gatherings was to teach fellowship and unity why should you desert other churches there is no desertion about it i do not belong to other churches and nobody has reason to expect me at any of them but my pastor has a right to expect me to be in my pew oh then it is the accident of the first choice that must determine one's sitting in church for all future time with me it has been only an accident she said simply i suppose there are people who had better reasons for selecting their church home but i am very well satisfied with my place and then flossy was very glad that they were nearing her father's house the gladness did not last however there hung over it another cross this colonel baker had been in the habit of being invited to enter and of spending an hour or more in cosy chat with the family nothing confidential or special in these sabbath evening calls they seemed simply to serve to pass away a dull hour they had been pleasant to flossy but it so happened that the hours of the sabbath had grown precious to her none of them were dull every moment of them was needed besides in their walk up the hill from the auditorium one evening evan roberts had said in answer to a wonderment from her that so little was accomplished by the sabbath services throughout the land i think one reason is the habit that so many people have of frittering away any serious impression or solemn thought they may have had by a stream of small talk in which they indulge with their own family or their intimate friends after what they call the sabbath is past do you know there are hundreds of people good well-meaning in fact christians who seem to think that the old puritan rules in regard to hours hold yet in part it begins at eight or nine o'clock when they have their nap out and at the very latest it closes with the minister's benediction after the second service and they laugh and talk on the way home and at home as if the restraints of the day were over at last how precisely he had described the sabbath day of the shipley family with what a sense of relief had she often sat and chatted with colonel baker at the close of what had been to her an irksome day and felt that at last the sense of propriety would not be shocked if they laughed and bantered each other as usual things were different now 
but poor flossy's face flushed and her heart beat hard over the trial of not asking colonel baker to come in silly child ruth would have said and her calm clear voice would not have hesitated over the words colonel baker i cannot ask you in this evening because i have determined to receive no more calls even from intimate friends on the sabbath on any other evening i shall be happy to see you as for marion she would have decidedly enjoyed saying it but flossy she could never have explained it to him her voice would have trembled too much and her heart beat too hard the very most that she could do was to keep her lips closed no invitation from her should pass them and this in itself was five times more of a cross than it would have been for either of the others to have spoken however it did no good colonel baker's friendship was on too assured a footing to wait for ceremony he had received too many invitations of that nature to even notice the omission now though flossy paused and turned toward him he did not notice it but himself opened the door for her and passed in at her side talking still about some matter connected with his plans for the evening that had been overthrown by her strange propensity for church she did not hear him at all she was both grieved and annoyed if only she dared go directly to her room if she had been ruth erskine it would have been done in a moment they sat down in the back parlor and it was made evident to flossy that the entertainment of colonel baker would be considered her special duty the library door was closed, and the sound of subdued voices there told that Kitty Shipley and her suitor were having a confidential talk. Kitty wouldn't help then. Mrs. Shipley had retired, and Mr. Shipley sat at the drop-light reading the journal. He glanced up at their entrance, gave Colonel Baker the courteous and yet familiar greeting that welcomed him as a special friend of the house, and then went on with his reading. As for her brother Charlie, he had not come in, and probably would not for hours to come. What was there for Flossy to do but to take a seat and talk to Colonel Baker? Yet how she shrank from it! She wanted to be alone, to go over in her heart all the sweet and blessed experiences of the day, for this day had helped her much. She wanted to think about those boys in the school, and form plans for their future, and try to decide whether it would be that they would really like her for a teacher and whether Dr. Dennis would let her undertake the class. Why would not Colonel Baker go home? "'What is the matter with you?' he asked, studying her face curiously and with a doubtful sound in his voice. "'I don't believe that strange freak of yours did you any good.' "'It did me more good than anything that ever happened to me in my life,' Flossie said positively. If she could only have explained to him just what the nature of that good was— Possibly she might have tried, only there sat her father. Who could tell when his interest in the times would cease, and he give attention to her? Flossie could not understand why she should be so afraid of her father in this matter, but she was very much afraid. The talk they had was of that kind known as small. To Flossie it seemed exceedingly small, and she did not know how to make it otherwise. She began to wonder if she and Colonel Baker really had any ideas in common. Yet Colonel Baker could talk with gentlemen and talk well. It was simply the habit of being frippery with the ladies that made his words seem so foolish to Flossie. Contrary to her expectation, her brother Charlie suddenly appeared on the scene, and for a time she was privileged to slip into the background. 
Charlie had been to hear the choral, and Colonel Baker was very anxious to know as to its success. You would have supposed them to be talking about a prima donna concert. At last Charlie turned to Flossy with the trying question, "'Sis, why didn't you go to the choral? I thought you were coming for her, Baker. Didn't you tell me so?' "'I came, but was too late. Miss Flossy had already betaken herself to the first church.' "'So you missed the choral?' "'Well, only part of it. I went for an hour, then I left, and went in search of your sister, to discover if I could what special attractions First Church had for her to-night. Now this fashion of going to one service until he was tired, and then quietly slipping out in search of something more attractive, was peculiar to Colonel Baker. Flossy had known of his doing it on several different occasions. The very most that she had thought about it had been that it was making one's self very conspicuous. She didn't believe she would like to do it, even if she were a man. But to-night the action had taken an irreverent shade that it never had before. She discovered that she utterly disapproved of it. There seemed to be many things in Colonel Baker that met with her disapproval. Meantime, the talk went on. "'Did you find the attraction?' Charlie asked. Colonel Baker shrugged his handsome shoulders. "'I confess I couldn't find it in the sermon.' It was one of the doctor's sharpest and bluest efforts. That poor man has the dyspepsia, I feel certain. Seems to me he develops an increased ability for making people miserable. Now Colonel Baker fully expected to draw forth by this remark one of Flossie's silvery laughs, which, to tell the truth, were becoming sweeter to his ears than any choral. He was surprised and annoyed at the steady look of thoughtful, not to say distressed gravity, that she gave him out of those soft blue eyes of hers. He did not know what to make of this Flossie. He was feeling the change in her more decidedly than anyone else had done. He waited for Flossie's answer, and she gave it at last, in a grave, rebuking tone of voice. I liked the sermon very much. Did you indeed? I confess I am astonished. I gave you the credit of possessing a more tender heart. Frankly, then, I didn't. I must say I don't like to go to church to be made uncomfortable. Did you find that sentence in the paper? Flossie asked, a little gleam of mischief in her eyes. Because if you did, I should have thought you would have considered it answered very well by the comments. As a rule, I am not obliged to resort to the papers to find remarks to quote. Colonel Baker said with an attempt at gaiety, which but half concealed the evident annoyance that he felt. But I judge the paper found someone suffering in the same way. Pray, what was the answer? Why, the writer said that he supposed no one liked to be uncomfortable, but whether it was the sermon that should change, or the life, in order to remove the discomfort, was a question for each to decide for himself. Sharp, said Charlie, laughing. You've got hit, Baker. Oh, no, he said, not at all. Don't you see, the author kindly accorded permission to each person to decide the question for himself? Now I have decided it so far as I am concerned. I prefer a change in the sermon. Oh, Dr. Dennis is a good man, no one doubts it, but he is too severe a sermonizer. His own church officers admit that. He is really driving the young people away from the church. I should not be greatly surprised if there had to be a change in that locality very soon. The spirit of the times demands more liberality, 
and a larger measure of Christian charity. Colonel Baker was really too well-educated a man to have allowed himself to use these terms parrot-like, without knowledge or thought as to their meaning. But the truth was, he cared so little about church and Christian charity, and all those phrases, as to have very little idea of what he meant himself when he used them. But pretty little Flossie had never argued with him, never been known to argue with anybody. Why should he not occasionally awe her with his high-sounding words? It is a pity that Ruth or Marion had not been there to take up the theme, and yet it is doubtful if arguments would have had any weight with him. The truth was, he did not need to be convinced. Probably Flossie's perfect gravity and dignity and silence did more to answer him than any keen words could have done. End of chapter 4 Recording by Tricia G.